Hey, welcome everybody. I am your host, Zach Mathers, and this is Braving the Journey. So today, I'm really excited. I say that almost every time. I am. I, I love what I do. I love the people I get to talk to. I love the conversations we have. But today, I have author, therapist, Serge Pringle on, and he is a therapist over in New York, the East Coast over there, and he is an author of a book called The Proactive 12 Steps, A Mindful Program for Lasting Change. And see, the conversation that we get to have today is a conversation around how do we make change that lasts? How, how do we make change in our lives that that when we fail at it or, or we mess up, that it doesn't shame us and make us feel like we're a failure? But how do we make change that is truly lasting and impactful in our life? So that is a conversation that is we're having, and I'm excited for you to get to jump into that with us. Before we do... I want to remind you guys, it is dry January, meaning like, and if you haven't been dry for the month of January and you're going, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't because the past is the past and we are here where we are in the moment today. And so what I want to invite you into today is the 30 day sober challenge is 100% free for through the month of January. So go sign up, call a friend, say, Hey, let's do this together and take the next 30 days and really dive deep. And what it does is it's diving deep at how do we make change? How, how are we making this internal change in our life? So you can go to bravingthejourney.com, 30 days sober challenge, sign up, be part of the challenge. It is, to me, honestly, uh, it's everything in the last 10 years that I have learned and understood and read and piled it all together for you to make it just a really simple program. So be sure to go join that. Otherwise, you guys, hey, it helps. The more that you guys help me out on this, as far as if you like the episode, leave a rating, go down to the bottom, leave a rating, leave a review, write a review because those ratings and reviews help other people find the show. And the honesty is there's other people that need to hear this message that is coming out today. And so be sure, leave a rating, leave a review, go share this with a friend. All right, you guys, that's enough of me. Let's dive into this. Here we go. Well, everybody, welcome back to Braving the Journey. I'm excited for my guest today. I have Serge Pringle on today, and he is the author of The Proactive 12 Steps, a mindful program for lasting change. And so, Serge, I want to just say thank you. Thanks for uh, taking the time to be here, and thanks for uh, just imparting your your wisdom and, and stuff that you have learned along the way. So just thanks for being here. Thanks, Zach. It feels great to be sharing this time with you. Yeah. And so... Serge, one of the things I, I tell all my guests this, but I love to do is I love for for you to just spend some time at the beginning, just kind of sharing who you are, what your, 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 whether that be your story. I mean, I've had people that start from their childhood and begin to tell up or some people just kind of go, this, this is me and this is my story and this is who I am. But uh, if you could just take a little bit and just share with us kind of, you know, what got you into the space where all of a sudden you're writing, you know, the book that you have and working in the field in which you are. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, so I'm a therapist and, uh, most of those of us who become therapists are people who at some point realize they have to figure out, uh, who they are and how to deal with what's been overwhelming for them. Uh, and we like to spend time in that space. And yeah. I'm no exception. I'm somebody who really has been trying to figure it out. Um, and it's really good to, to figure out when you figure out something to share it with people. Mm. 
And there is a back and forth. So I love understanding who people are, what makes people work, what can help people function better. Uh, I learn from it for myself. I like to share it with other people. I think that uh, it's a space where I like to be. Yeah. Essentially. No, I like that. I um, I grew up in a a house. My my mom was a my mom was a therapist, and uh, you know, and so and then my now my brother in law is a therapist, and it's kind of a it's kind of a thing in the household where everyone's kind of moves into that space. My sister's in her in her master's program right now, and uh, you know, so I always grew up in a home where where self process and trying to you know work on understanding who you are and your behaviors and why you do what you do, but you know, I don't think most of the world grows up in that, you know, I don't think people get a chance to really experience that idea of like taking a deeper look at and trying to answer the questions of why do I do what I do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't. We don't. So as a, ther- um, as a, th- a, or no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so as a therapist, what led you kind of down the road of kind of into this kind of space of kind of recovery in specific that, that kind of, that kind of drew you that direction. So, uh, I, I discovered the 12 steps through friends many years ago, maybe 30 some years ago. Uh, and, uh, I was really fascinated by how people were able to grow so much, uh, from following the steps and from the fellowships. Um, and I've had ever since that time, an ongoing dialogue with the steps Hmm. of trying to understand them, trying to see what makes sense in them, uh, trying to see how it relates to my sense of what it's like to grow, Hmm. uh, and to overcome challenges. Uh, also dealing with the notion of God, which the steps have rely heavily on. Yep. Um, and, uh, and so, um, it has been really a big journey for me um, to to really have this dialogue and understand. Um, the thing that's very important to me is that the steps traditionally apply to people who have an addiction of some sort. And as a therapist, I believe that we all are on a continuum. It's not it's not such a thing as an addict who is out there and the rest who are, say, so-called normal human beings. Right. And addicts are right. in a sphere outside of humanity, you know, in some... But we all have it. And as I mentioned before, you know, I'm a therapist because I have my own share of problems and I see different things in my clients on a continuum, whether they're addicted or in a traditional way or not. So uh, I love the concept that actually the what the 12 steps do is in order to, to help people in recovery, it's not to just harp on don't drink or don't don't uh, take drugs, but really change your life so that, you know, you have, you become a different person. And that different person has a different life and a different relationship with alcohol and drugs. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so that's kind of where my, my, my dialogue with the 12 steps is, is it challenges all of us um, to say, how is it that I can make my life better? And, uh, and, and so that's what I've been exploring. I love it. You know, so my, my pastor, I, I, 
I've been in and out of the the rooms, I guess you would say, of AA for for ten years. You know, and, and uh, I it was my uh, therapist that I was seeing that was actually like, hey Zach, I think you need to go go check out you know an AA program. So I did for the first time, and you know. I didn't agree with it at all. I sat in the back and I, I didn't, I didn't let it actually have any effect or change to my life for a long time. Um, but the interesting thing was, is at some point, probably five years ago, my wife who has never had a uh, issue in any regard of a substance abuse or, I mean, just, you know, nothing right in that regard, she started jumping into her own kind of 12 step kind of program. And, uh, I didn't understand why. I was like, what, what, why are you doing this? Like, you know, this, this you know, and, uh, it was beautiful for, for me to get a learn from her of going like, she's like, for her, she's like, the 12 steps are just kind of a guiding point for me to begin to look at how do I shift to make change? And she's like, my change sometimes isn't as, or like my issues aren't as outward to the world as yours are, you know, she's like, you can go pick up a bottle of, you know, of alcohol and you're going to look like a mess in a minute where mine could be internal anger and, and frustration. And I, I don't show it the same way, you know, but she's like, I still have things to work through. And that really kind of opened my eyes to realize like the potential that, you know, not even the potential, but just the reality that there's all of us, right. All of us have areas of growth and change and work on, you know, and, yeah, and it's just, it's just a choice of how do how do we choose? Do we look at that or do we not? Or do we, do we have a tendency to just push those aside because in the world's eyes, they're not that big of an issue. So therefore, you know, you know, it's not causing that much harm and effect. So we choose not to kind of engage with it. But so talk to me though, why in your, in your relationship, I guess you would say with the, with the 12 steps, where did you, where did you settle in and going like, I really, was there a spot where you go, man, I really, I, value and love these or was there like a, I see them and I want to be able to make more of a, a shift that is more connectable? Uh, How- really the, the latter, wanting to make a shift with it. Uh, I think there is a lot of good in them, but unfortunately, I think the good is pretty much obscured. The mechanism of change is kind of hidden and unfortunately, it's hidden under uh, a kind of language mm. that is related to an old-fashioned notion of behave well, do right, you know, kind of a moral standpoint. Yeah, uh, It may not be the intention for many people. It may not be the intention to be, to be, uh, to be religious or to, to be moral. You know, there, there is a sense of going beyond that, but the language draws you to it. Mm. Uh, and I think that there is a, there is a quality of change that is related to facing reality. Again, wonderful, the steps do that. But then finding a way to be very mindful, which is to be able to stay moment by moment with how difficult things are and not skip over it. Hmm. Uh, The beauty of the 12 step is the going step by step. So it's kind of a slow motion thing. Right. It's like, you know, you see a, a football game or any other sports stuff or dancing uh, and you cut it, you know, and you slow it down so you're able to see things. Yeah. Um, so I want to apply, you know, that kind of slow motion quality to it, but give much more specific instructions. 
for how to stay mindful step by step, what to look for uh, in order to have more of a grip on making a change. Mm. Because unfortunately, uh, talking about things like making changes, you know, there are big words. Yeah. But it's hard to put, you know, to to really understand what the words are, especially when you're confronted with a situation that's very intense. You know, we can talk about it abstractly, but under the heat of the action, what do you do? Right. And at that moment, that's where you revert to old habits. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what I wanted to do is to give a very, very uh, simple way to get a grip on the process moment by moment so that it is possible to actually make changes, you know, that are deep down because they're happening in the heat of the action. So talk to me about, I mean, talk to me about change in your viewpoint. You know, you're, you're talking about, you know, the 12 steps in which you've kind of established really help break down and make change. But, and, the choice of choosing to be present, you know, in, in the moments and feel the moments and be part of the moments. But, you know, I think that's always a big question, especially even if you look at it right now, like the new years, people make these resolutions. I'm going to do this this year. And then probably about where we're about that time, three weeks in where people are not staying to the resolutions and the change isn't happening. And they're going, well, I failed. Therefore I'm not going to, you know? So where do you, where do you see the root of change? actually happen in in the lives of people you know um it's something that happens you know you 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 need to in order to change your behaviors you need to change both something inside and you need to change your environment Hmm. so it's really like a tall order and uh it's it's very difficult so you're talking about but kind of like unless, an internal and an external kind of change that the, ha, happens. Yeah, happen. yeah. But I may, I'm very, very uh, specific when I say external is not external just in terms of actions, but external in terms of your environment. Hmm, okay. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the ecosystem. Um, because if you don't, then the changes simply, you know, don't last. Yeah. So, um, you know... It might sound a little fancy, but just to make to 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 show that it's not that the concept itself is not is is not difficult to grasp. Changing the ecosystem is a big word. For instance, to say uh, if you're an alcoholic, you better not socialize in a bar because if you're in a bar and all your friends drink, then it will be much harder for you to stop drinking. So at that level, it's something that's very very well understood. Yeah. What's less well understood is that it applies to just about every habit. So it's really very important to think that everything you do, that, that's, you know, that's deep down, that's, that's really deeply ingrained. Uh, it's not something that exists by itself, but it has a lot of roots like a tree. And uh, so the roots go deep. And it's fed, you know, if you take the image of a river, I'm mixing metaphors no, here. You're, but you're good. I'm river, Okay, so you, the river is uh, is fed by a lot of little rivers, okay? Right. And, and so when you want to change the river, you change the little rivers. You know, you change all of what makes it what it is. Right. Unless you do that, 
you know, especially when there is, uh, you know, there is intensity, when there is a sense of, uh, of threat, when there is a, threat, a sense of difficulty, then you're going to revert to the old habits. Hmm. So you want to create the stuff that is going to, you know, provide the track, you know, in a way, I'm shifting metaphors again, but say if you're a train yeah. and you're on a track, you have to lay a different kind of track. You know, yeah. you have to get a switch and go to a different direction. And then the track is going to help you stay in the right direction. Mm. See, I like, okay? I like your, I'm going back to your, your river metaphor. I like that one because, because I, when, as soon as you said it, I pictured, you know, you have all these multiple little rivers that pour into the big river. And if I want to make a shift in the big river and I try to like dam up the big river or make it move, it's a lot more difficult than it would be to take, yeah. go deeper to the root of the original and go, these are little, these are little, but there's a lot of them. And then begin to right. begin to shift those ones and go, let's, let's move these here, move these here, move these here. And then all of a sudden, before you realize it, the big river is actually shifted over. Um, but it was easier, yeah. you know? And so that's, a, that's where my mind went, where I was like, oh, I could see that because, because sometimes when we look at the whole problem as the big river, it seems overwhelming. Like the reality is, is going... I can't move that. I can't change that, you know, but being able to walk up river a little further or deeper into our lives a little further and go, Oh, there's this one thing though. I can start making a change to becomes very, I think becomes very possible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Essentially there's a lot to be said for the notion that um, addiction is fed by trauma. That there is some, and, and I use trauma not in a in a sense of say like you go to the ER, you know, in a hospital for trauma, a major accident, but I use the trauma in a sense that anything that we are not able to solve uh, okay. with the means mm. we have at the moment it happens is overwhelming. Mm. Would you say? I mean, let me ask you on the question of trauma. Traumas, I think, a at least in my world lately, it's been a, it's been a topic of conversation a lot. We, but where do you stand on the the idea that all of us from at some point in our life have experienced? So, like, we all carry around some trauma. Do you believe that, or is it? Not no, the case? I, absolutely. I totally, I totally believe it. That's uh, uh, that's why I, I explain that my definition of trauma is not. The major thing, ER, you know, uh, yeah. ambulances, car crash, uh, legs broken, whatever. But, uh, you know, if you take the definition of trauma, that things happen that are beyond your capacity to manage at the time they happen. Yeah. It's impossible to be a human being without having some trauma. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's also why, you know, when we started talking, I mentioned that notion of continuum. It, to say it's not just you have addiction here and all oh, the rest of are, are perfectly okay. You know, we all have unresolved issues and we all have triggers and we all have trauma. Hmm. And so the question is about what we do with it. Yeah. And the beauty of it, the yeah. thing that's absolutely wonderful about trauma is when you have trauma that you're able to resolve, that you're able to, to deal with, it actually makes you stronger. Yeah. You know, because you have, it's the same thing as having going to training. You know, if you go training, say, for a marathon, you know, you get tired when you train, but you also become stronger. Uh, so if you are able to face something that's very difficult and to resolve it, 
you become stronger and more resilient. Hmm. No, so um, I I agree with you. I mean, yeah. On a, on, I just think, you know, my wife and I we have in the process of having different so many different kids from the foster system in our house. We've we've started doing um, TBRI or trauma based training parent trauma based parenting training, and in learning a lot of the trauma stuff, I go. I mean, this just doesn't apply to these kids. This applies to like all of us, you know, this applies to, this applies to my own life and the, the lives of others. And, and, um, you know, I think, I think we have, I think we've had a tendency to want to put the word trauma on this big grandiose, like, you know, you went to war and you come back and you experience trauma, uh, versus being able to break it down into the smaller realities of, you know, I really like your definition of it is those things in our life that we don't necessarily know how to deal with or control adds this this level of trauma that begins to build up in our lives. Yeah. 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 So let, so let me ask you this question. Um, you know, one of the things I personally like um, work with people a lot on it are, are trying to navigate getting to the people that, um, you know, I believe the substance of abuse of alcohol is kind of a, you know, it's a it's an ad- addictive substance that the the more you drink, the more you need, and, and it kind of builds in your system. Um, and one of my goals has always been is to catch people before you know what in the AA world the terminology they say rock bottom, but to mm-hmm. be a- be able to find people in the space where they go, man, I I think I'm I'm using alcohol in a means to avoid something in my life. And I'm beginning to to abuse it in a way that it's unhealthy for my my world and my relationships. Um, but how do you help people move to understanding and getting to that space? Or is that something that we're able to do? Or is, that, is it an individual thing that people have to be able to discover on their own? So, unfortunately, a lot of uh, the ability to discover is something that is what you do on your own yeah. uh, as from the outside you can facilitate it but you cannot uh, push people hmm. beyond what they're able to do unfortunately mo- most of the time yeah there is a quality of reaching out to people of connecting uh, of building a bridge uh, which can help them get understand it better but the quality of the bridge is strongest when uh, it's one that's based on forging a connection that is a genuine connection and not one that is uh, around the agenda of I'm connecting with you because it's the means by which I'm going to cure you. Mm. Uh, uh, Because essentially to many people, it feels like an invasion. Yeah. And if we're talking about addiction is something that's born of trauma, uh, one very f- frequent form of trauma is people having a sense of being invaded. Yeah. Uh, so they may not describe it that way, you know, that they, they would, might use different words. Uh, but essentially, uh, it is, you know, a place of not feeling that it's safe to open up to let somebody else come in. 
So if you're coming in with great intentions of saying, you know, I want to save you, I want to help you, I want to cure you, if only you open up to me, if only you do this, if only you, you know, including if only you go see a therapist or if only you share right. your suffering with a peer group. Essentially, what you're telling this person is you need to open up. And basically, they're terrified of opening up. Yeah. Okay. So the primary consideration, if you really want to help somebody, is to find a way to be as close to them in a way that is safe for them. Hmm. Not necessarily the way you would define safe, but in a way that they feel safe and in a good way, not, not that pretending to be safe. Yeah. You know, that there yeah. is, once there is that connection, then it's possible to build on it. Hmm. I really like that. Yeah, because I think there's such a difference in forging a relationship in a way in which you are coming into it going, I want to change and fix you versus coming into a relationship or going, I just simply love you. Like, I just love you for who you are. And and then being able to move from a space of love versus a space of wanting to make change in them. You know, it looks different. Yeah, yeah. So. And, so, and so, of course, that's a question of how is it that you – find a place in yourself that you move toward this person and say, I'm coming to you because I love you, because I love you the way you are. Uh, you know, your agenda is still to want to change them. Yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. uh, then it's a question of, you know, this is the whole approach to mindfulness. The whole process is about mindfulness. And so what mindfulness is, is about uh, finding ways finding questions, finding ways to get in a relationship, and how to elicit it is to find the curiosity. So what is it that draws you to this person? And so maybe what draws you to this person is it reminds you of something of you. It reminds you of some issues that you had and what it feels good to actually connect with this person and reassure this person that there is a path beyond that. Uh, and so if you connect to that motivation, you can find a way to, to create that bridge mm. between people because it's a bridge from human being to human being. Right. I like that. So I want to I read something that I, I read of yours uh, just out loud real quick and then kind of shift into this kind of a little bit. Of this, I think we've been having this conversation, but I really liked it in here. And um, this is what it said. It says – you so talking talking about the idea of uh, you're kind of in this section of traumatic stress or the mindful process of change in step four through four through ten, um, and at the bottom it says we have a tendency you feel ashamed of yourself you try to force yourself into act differently through willpower you succeed for a while and then the pressure is such that you break down you get temporary relief as you break down but then the shame comes back and you you use a lot of willpower to try and ward off what you were trying to ward off as a vicious cycle goes on and on the vicious cycle can only end when you recognize that adding more pressure will not solve the situation it only makes things worse of course this does not mean that giving up on making changes, it just means making them in a way that is more realistic, actual, and more effective. When I read that, I was reading some of your stuff a couple of days ago, and I read that, and that was like that was me to a T. I was I was the knew I had a had a struggle with alcohol, 
I would white knuckle and go, I'm not going to drink anymore. And then when I, and then that would last for three, four months. And then I would, and then shame would arise within that. And I'd be like, you feel so much shame and guilt. And I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to be able to stop all the way. And then I would cycle and I would do the same thing over. And I did this for years. So when I kind of read that, um, you know, and I find when I get to work with people, that's a very common, this is such a common thing that people find themselves in this, you know, shame cycle that they just keep rotating through. Um, and you kind of said the vicious cycle only ends when we recognize that at, adding more pressure will not solve the situation. I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about this idea of like how, when people do, so when people find themselves in what I just described my, you know, myself in that, that cycle, that vicious cycle of shame. And, uh, when you, when you say, when we begin to re- like not adding more pressure to solve, solve the situation, what, can you talk more into that for me? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is just before uh, you read this part, uh, we were talking about how to deal with somebody you want to help. Right. Um, And so let's imagine for a moment that you are both the person you want to help and the person that needs help. Okay. Okay. And so the person that needs help um, is somebody who feels deeply flawed. And uh, has a lot of shame about that. Hmm. And the person who wants to help uh, is going to go and say, okay, but you know what? I'm going to accept you only if you perform. Hmm. And so um, then there is, a, you know, intense pressure. Yeah. Because the person that needs help is going to go and say, okay, fine, I performed, I stopped drinking, okay, I deserve the help, but oh my God, it's so hard to maintain it because if I, if I, if I slip, you know, then I lose that, uh, that, that support that, that I have or that, that respect. And so at some point it becomes so much that there is a collapse. And so, oh my God, I slip, I drink, you know, or whatever it is that yeah. the behavior is, okay? Um, and so, remember when we were talking about how to connect with somebody you want to help is the thing that's really very important is to say this person has difficulties connecting and has difficulties opening up and has difficulty trusting. Hmm. So, uh, if you want to do anything, you have to build safety and trust, Okay. Yep. So now with yourself, when you are in a process of making changes, you know, most of the time, the way we're socialized is we think that we make changes by having a slave driver that says, God damn it, you have to change or else, you know. Yep. And uh, of course, that does not work because of that, you know, that, that you know, duality of um you know, trying to be good and trying to to work it, but then breaking down. And so the only way you can actually change is when you have with yourself that relationship of building trust, safety, respect, Mm. you know, so that there is a sense of, you know what, I'm going to be with you to try to understand what it is that makes you slip. You know, so once we understand it, and I'm with you so that I'm giving you the strength and support to go through facing something that's very difficult for you. And together we can understand it. And once you understand it, 
you know, then you're going to figure out better ways to deal with the problem. Yeah. Okay. And again, that's that safety and support that's coming there without which, you know, you're basically adding insult to injury. Yeah. No, I, 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 I love that. I think, yeah, you, we have to move. Change only happens when we move out of the space of feeling safe to do so, you know? And, uh, you know, my, my personal journal, I had to come to a space where, uh, Every time I would relapse, instead of moving to shame and regret and all these things that just cycled me down, I had to move into a space of going, I had uh, somebody just talk to me and go, have you ever thought of taking those moments and going, they're just the most beautiful learning experiences. They're the opportunity for you to sit down with it and go, what, what, what was it in my life? What was it the weeks before, the days before, the months before that built up? Where, where was the underlying issues? Where were, and, and so... To shift my mind from putting this I fail on myself to shift it to uh, what do I have to learn from this? What areas do, what areas do, I, do I need to be aware of that I wasn't aware of before? You know, and be able to begin to ask myself questions and see it more from this external like experience of getting to see it and go, wow, I, didn't, I wasn't aware of this and I need to learn from this. And carry that in, and then it just it, the learning just keeps getting to build because you're you're present with it at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful when you describe this because um, you know you're describing something that's an attitude from uh, oh shit I you know relapsed or whatever yeah. into oh wonderful you know here's something to learn. Yeah, but it's really good yeah. to keep in mind that you cannot change that attitude through willpower. Right, and it's not an intellectual mm -hmm. shift. It's a nervous system shift that uh, you feel safe enough that there is such a thing as a future. Mm. You know, otherwise, mm. essentially, you live in a present that is constantly under a big threat of life or death and a, a sense of doom and a sense of, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's really that pressure going toward, uh, you know, some place that's not pretty. Uh, and, you know, the being able to say, wow, this is a chance to learn uh, is really a sense of feeling not so alone and having a sense of hope and having a sense of possibility. So I think that's the reason. And, you know, I, I, I do a lot of stuff to avoid uh, just relying on God and to have steps that can be very good for agnostics and people who are atheists. And yeah. uh, But, you know, the, the notion there is people who believe in God usually have an easier way because they have a concept for the possibility of hope. And uh, the beauty of it is that, you know, even if you're an atheist or if you're an agnostic, you know, the ability to have hope is a human quality hmm. and is based on human connection. So it is about finding a way through human connection to develop your capacity for trusting that you're not doomed, you know, and that will enable you to have the patience, the forbearance, you know, to stay moment by moment and to say, oh, wow, you know, that thing is really something that I can stay with and learn from, hmm. you know, but you cannot do that when you feel that it's, it's doom. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. There's got to be a glimmer of hope to be able to have any desire to to see the shift or make that. Yeah. 
Serge, you're a very wise man. I enjoy getting our conversation and getting to talk with you. Um, I want to ask you, so I know steps are steps because they go in sequence, right? Like they're, they're, you don't usually start on step 10 and then go backwards to two and then jump over to, you know, eight. There, there's a progression to to the learning and process. So this may be a uh, unrealistic question, but in your 12 steps, um, through the proactive 12 steps, is there one that has your heart more than the others that you go, man, this one, I love this one because I get it, you know, because of the impact or how it, how it affects people. Is, is there one or two that you go, you know, I, I love, or is it just the process of, I guess. It's a process of, but, uh, if you ask me to choose one, uh, the concept of, um, the pause of taking a pause, Hmm. Um, is essentially the DNA of the process. Okay. Um, because, um, you know, what happens in order the process of mindful change uh, happens by learning to take a pause. And a pause is not the same thing as when you stop a VCR or a, a music thing and you stop and then when it comes back, it continues the same way. But it's an active pause because when you stop, when you pause, there is a sense of checking inside, you know, and ah, where am I? Who am I? What's happening? In that moment, it's like a GPS, you know, that uh, uh, when you stop and change direction, it recalculates where to go. Hmm. So uh, that notion of the pause, you know, in in the classical steps, it's about the sense of being in contact with God. Right. And so there's similarity there. It's instead of being in contact with some transcendent power is really being in touch with yourself uh, to check in where you are. Yeah. Uh, and so moment by moment, as you take the habit of taking the pause, then it enables you to see where you are, to see what's really happening, and to change or to to simply stay with what is until you're able to change. Do you so I I I'm a big believer in the learning to take a pause. I did for a long time. I was never great at it. And so I began to put kind of things into practice. Like I would actually have my phone buzz off at me at the hour, every hour. And all I, my goal in that was I'd hear it buzz. And then my goal was that was a reminder for me to take just that one minute and just check in with myself and go, how, how am I in this moment? How am I feeling? What's going on? You know, where am I at? And then I just move about and check in and then move about to the next hour. And I would check in with myself because I, because the reality is I'd go days without really ever checking in with who I was and where I was at. And so it was, it was a practice um, that I would begin to do, but what do you have other suggestions or practices that you go to help people learn to to create that as part of their life is, is to pause you know yeah so um what you mentioned is a great one um generally speaking i encourage people to experiment mm. to say um you know it's really whatever works for you if you know that uh, taking a pause is gonna, you know, is gonna be difficult, I encourage people to think about how difficult it is to take a pause, because when we're launched, when we're in our default mode, the last thing in the world we want to do is stop. Mm -hmm. um, 
And uh, it feels kind of scary, especially, you know, people who have difficulty connecting with themselves because there's something they want to avoid. The last thing they want to do is actually check inside. So you're going to be noticing when you do it that there is a lot of resistance to it. Yeah. Uh, even if you actually take the pause, what you're going to notice is that what's happening is um, you are you know, have this impatience to to go. Uh, you know, this is it just doesn't happen. So I encourage people to talk about it, to find somebody else to do it with, not necessarily to be present at the time you do the pause, but simply to have a buddy to, with whom you talk about the pauses you took, you know, the pre during the previous day or during the previous week. And so uh, the talking about it helps, uh, you know, just uh, uh, learn it hmm. because you remove the shame about not doing it right. And you find the encouragement about staying with the struggle. Yeah. Now, uh, other ways more practical is to start. You can do a pause at the beginning of the day and a pause at the end of the day. Uh, you can add one in the middle of the day. Yeah. Um, now, go, you know, to another way to do it is to say, you know, whenever I'm in a conversation, I'm going to just take the habit that I'm going to pause for a second or two before answering. Mm. Okay. And so that, uh, that's a way that you build it in everyday life it yeah. doesn't have to even be something where you check out for a moment yep. but if you're in a conversation you do that uh if you do something at work you build a habit of having a few seconds of pause in in a transition yeah okay so that's why you you start playing with it to see what might work for you no i like all those suggestions because i do i think everyone's different and you know what works for one doesn't always work for the other and so you know and it is. It's it's really easy in life to get into autopilot, you know, where you're just going through the motion. And unless we create space for pause, you know, it doesn't allow us time to actually just check in with ourselves. And, and um, you know, my wife introduced my wife. She's a wise woman. She introduced this concept for a while ago with us. She said, hey, when you come home from work, um, let's try to like take five minutes without the kids and just check in with each other. And so usually that means we're, when we check in with each other, it means like we, we come into the conversation going, what are your three feeling words you've had today? And it's good for me because usually that means when I'm driving home, I have to sit and go, what are my feelings? How am I feeling? What is going on with me? Because I know I'm going to have this conversation with my wife. And then we sit and we just, we don't, we don't solve anything. We don't try to process anything. We just hear each other go, hey, I'm feeling discouraged or I'm feeling encouraged or, you know, whatever it may be that day, but we share and then we're able to have at least know where each other's at in the moment to move on to parenting the rest of the, the evening with the kids together well, you know? And we find the times that we don't know, then that's usually when we easily get, you know, bickering or, you know, at each other in some way or not patient enough. And so, um, yeah, it's something my, my wife introduced and I love it because it forces me to pause and check in. And then it forces me to be able to make a deeper connection with her and move, you know, move from that space. So it's a beautiful practice, you know, and I like, you know, what you point out is that uh, it starts before the pause itself, because then as you're driving in the car, you wonder about it. And mm -hmm. so you see how the pause is not just what happens at the moment you pause, but it just starts affecting your life. Yeah, no, I love it. Well, Serge, I want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for 
the work that you have committed to doing and working with people and the the idea that all the knowledge and the things that you have learned and brought to this world and taken even the 12 steps and challenged them and going, how does this actually apply more effectively to people and brought that to the world? It's a big deal. You know, it's, it's, it's something you could have learned and held on to just for you, you know, but you've chosen to take the time to write it out, to bring it to the world. And so I just want to say thank you um, and recognize you in that. What is the best way for people to get their hands on the the, the proactive 12 steps? Um, Um, So you can find it on uh, Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. And also, uh, I have them online. Uh, So anybody who doesn't want to get the book, you're welcome to read it for free. And there's a lot of the book on the website, proactive12steps.com. Okay. And the links to all that stuff, uh, the proactive12steps.com and a link to the book will be in the show notes, everybody. So if you're listening to this, go down to the bottom of the show notes and you'll find the links to everything that Surge has going on. So I'm going to ask you one last question before we, we, before we wrap this up. And I always love this question. It's, it's real simple. So imagine in the busyness and loudness of this world, you know, where there's constant news feeds and Instagram posts and tweets and everything happening around, it all goes quiet. There's just, there's just quiet for a moment. And your voice is the only voice that the world gets to hear for a second. And you get to share with the world one truth, one thing that you got just, if I got a chance to share the world, this one thing, this is it. What would that be? Mm. It feels really nice to be connected. It feels very nice to be connected inside and out. Without being connected inside, you don't really enjoy the connection outside. Without the connection outside, it's difficult to be fully connected inside. Um, So really, for me, the pause, the active pause, is a way to try and find that sense of everything quiets down that you describe. Uh, Not just in fantasy, but find that little moment uh, that then makes that inner connection and outer connection more possible. Mm. I love it. Well, Serge, thank you again. Thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Thanks, Zach. It was really great to talk with you. Yeah, you too. Well, you guys, I want to leave you with that, that idea of how do we learn to pause enough in life to be able to actually see the changes we need to make? How do we take time where we're not on autopilot so much that we can just pause? So take a practice. Try it. Try it out. Try either making your phone go off or setting the morning and the evening as just a time to just pause. It doesn't take long. Just pause. Pause and go, what? Where am I at? How am I doing? And and begin to ask the question, what areas do I need to make a shift and change in? And do it out of love for yourself, loving yourself through the process. That is my challenge to you guys today. Hey, if you guys heard this and you know somebody that needs to hear this conversation just go take the link share the link directly with them and say hey i was just thinking about about you you can be someone's hero today by just sharing sharing this with them so with that you guys have an amazing blessed day proud of you